Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be doing a spotlight on MPAC's leadership team. We'll be talking to MPAC's current president and the person who's led our business development efforts since the very beginning, Gwen Gola. We'll then speak with Mike Wills, serves as MPAC's CFO. We'll also reconnect with Dr. Canone, who we spoke with back in 2019 when he first joined us. We'll get his thoughts on what's taking place in the senior care space. And we'll wrap up with, with Haley, our newest member of the leadership team, who joined us back in September as our chief operating officer. Look forward to speaking with them and to sharing with all of you some of their thoughts about you know, why they joined MPAC and what they see, um, what they're excited about. So look out for those podcasts to come, like I said, over the next several weeks. So Gwen, it's been eight years for you now? Eight years. In one month, it'll be eight years. In my mind, it's like 26 years. Let's go back to the beginning. Gwen, you and I got introduced to each other. I remember this very clearly in November of 2014. Correct. I had left my job and we were starting to build MPAC. I didn't completely understand this space. I just knew it was broken and believed, strongly believed that we could create a clinical model that aligned everyone better by changing the compensation structure, changing um, from a reactive care model to a proactive care model and ultimately creating a win-win-win scenario, a win for the patients, a win for the families, a win for the skilled nursing operators, and ultimately a win for the system by driving better outcomes and bringing down cost of care. But I didn't really know all that at the time. When I left my firm, coworker of mine said, if you're gonna be doing anything in the nursing home setting, you have to talk to Gwen. And he put us in touch and I avoided reaching out to you because I didn't know what I was doing or talking about. And when I saw Josh again, he asked if I'd talk to you. I said, no. And he scolded me and made me call you. And so we met up sometime around November of 2014. And my recollection of that conversation was me trying to explain to you what we were trying to do, which was improve medical care in this space. Is that what you recall? Yeah, I I would say that is completely accurate. Okay. So... I recall your reaction being, wait a minute, I don't believe you, I think was first, if you truly can do this, this is going to change the game in this space. If you truly can improve medical care, this is going to change the game. And you are coming at it, for those of you who don't know, from a clinical background as a physical therapist. Yep. Maybe tell us about how, like, how you started and how you got to nurse, kind of the skilled nursing space, the senior care space to begin with. Okay, so I'm a physical therapist, as Tim said, and I was working in like the neuro, spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury department of a subacute rehab facility of the Rehab Institute of Chicago. And what we were seeing is that our patients would be discharged. A lot of our patients would be discharged from RIC, now called the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, 
and they would be discharged into these skilled nursing facilities because they need to continue care and their insurance companies wouldn't allow them to finish it at the Rehab Institute of Chicago. And we would discharge them in these really good, really good level of care. And, you know, a lot of them almost ambulating, almost be able to, you know, perform activities of daily living that we had set out as their goals. And they would go into these facilities and they would deteriorate really quickly, significantly, and then they would bounce back to Northwestern, and then they would end up back to RIC. So it was this cycle of discharging under great status, and then coming back really quickly. So we started going into sending the physical therapists, um, the Rehab Institute started sending physical therapists into the commonly discharged skilled nursing facilities in the city to see what was going on, thinking that it was the therapy wasn't being carried over well. And what we were finding was that it was really the quality of care and it was the medical care that wasn't sufficient enough in any capacity to allow these patients to be medically taken care of so that they could finish out their therapy. So it was interesting because we thought that it was the quality of the rehab and the specificity of the rehab but it was really the care in these facilities. And these were really top rated facilities in the city where people were, you know, like fighting to get their family members into. So this is what got me really addicted and stuck into the skilled nursing industry. I never, I actually knew almost nothing about skilled nursing facility was I was in school. Everybody was told, don't go near a skilled nursing facility, like never become a physical therapist in skilled nursing facility. It's horrendous for all the reasons that we know. Because of all these terrible, horrible reasons was the reason that I fell in love with it because I figured that there's so many physical therapists out there that can do what I was doing at the Rehab Institute and all these fancy hospital organizations, but there wasn't any quality of care and there weren't any people that cared significantly enough to be in these facilities and to really like spend their time to try to help improve things overall versus just being another person at RIC that was doing really cool things, working in a healthcare system that actually was working well, had the top-notch researchers, top-notch physiatrists, top-notch therapists, everything, everything was, was, was perfect. It was like Pleasantville. So lo and behold, I end up in skilled nursing. I started off with a newer company and they were kind enough to let me kind of like take all my skills and all my research and everything that I've been doing at RIC and start implementing um, these neuro rehab programs in their company um, and all their partner facilities, which was great immediately. But then I kept running into these issues while the patient has a potential DVT out to the hospital. You know, the patient has a change in A, B, and C out to the hospital. So there wasn't all the things that I had been seeing in the city facilities. Now I was seeing almost even in a worse of capacity in all the facilities I was in. So I would go from facility to facility, implementing my wonderful, happy programs, getting patients better that were medically more stable, but the patients that were sick were getting sicker, et cetera, et cetera. So for years and years, I struggled having really good days and really bad days in these facilities. We all know how it works. Someday you're helping out the DON, some days you're helping out the you know, doing the work for the physician, someday you're doing the work for the therapy team, someday you're just turning on feeding, you know, the IVs and the feeding tubes, you you kind of walk into the facility every day, not knowing what your role is going to be just to take care of your patients. So I was getting frustrated and more frustrated looking at the cost that we were spending 
I was looking at, I was a rehab director. So I was a director of the rehab department over a bunch of different facilities. And I was be, I was involved in a lot of the financial conversations of the facility. And I would see the hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars being spent on our patients who would come in and a assist transfer. This, these patients should have been independently walking within three to four weeks. But because of this cycle of going to the hospital, going to the hospital, they were back in the facility. So I myself started feeling responsible for spending these huge amounts of money, Medicare money, insurance money going out under my license and under my care and the patients were getting better. So I kind of, when I met Tim, I was back to square one of, okay, I can do all these amazing things in therapy land, but if we're not getting to the root cause of the problem, which is poor quality of care, inside the facilities, then what, like, what, what is my purpose and what am I doing? So I, when I met Tim, I was on the verge of thinking to leave skilled nursing, but I knew that wasn't the, the ethical best thing to do because just because I was leaving and was it going to be involved in it on a daily basis, it still was going to exist. So what could I do to help solve this root cause of what I was seeing in the facilities? The timing was perfect. I met Tim. One of my closest friends at the time was a physical therapist. Her husband was working with Tim at a consulting firm. And I knew these people were incredible people. So if they had a relationship with Tim and were telling me that I should work with Tim, that that was good enough for me as in terms of like a resource referring these people in. So I begged Tim to hire me. Um, basically started working for MPAC with any out of specific role. <laughs> <laughs> a specific compensation structure, contract, anything, uh, because I was so die hard over this cause. So started introducing Tim and his team, which was let me let me <laughs> let me let me interject there for a second because then you can take over the story from there. <laughs> no, this is this is this is uh, one of the best parts because we believed that we could solve we could, we could improve medical care. That was our, our goal. Right. And that was the missing link for you. If we could improve medical care, then that was going to help the, all the therapists. And it was going to kind of totally. create, this, create this nirvana for the patient. They're going to get great physical therapy. They're going to get great medical care. They're going to continue to rehab and they're going to go home you know, for the, for the short-term patients. They're going to go home happy. Our model was yes, improve medical care so that those short-term patients can rehab, but and also improve medical care across the board, the long-term care patients, right? From the day, from day one, we never really cared about whether it was a 30-day readmit or a 60-day readmit. For us, it was if the patient left the building, whether they were there for three days, 30 days, or three years, is there something that we could have done to provide it, to have provided better, more proactive care and treated them in place? And so we knew that we could get to a, a good model. What we didn't have were relationships in this space. And we didn't understand how complex of an industry it is. And we didn't, we weren't sure how we were going to actually sell our services or who would actually buy our services. And that's that's when we met, right? From so from my perspective, we had one part of the equation solved, but not the other. From your perspective, we had the other part of the equation solved, but you had what we were missing, which was all the relationships. You had been building rehab units and all these skilled nursing facilities knew all the major operators in the city and you know across Illinois. And and early days, we thought, right, we'd be this this little company in Chicagoland providing care across 20 or 40 nursing homes and we'd be doing great, right? And so 
So you immediately, without any kind of a formal agreement, um, compensation or anything, was like, we got to start talking to people and getting this program into every nursing home in the country. And all of a sudden, we're, I'm sitting in meetings with you. We're, we're pitching our services and people start giving us a chance. And we start all of a sudden signing contracts early 2015. And and then I, th- I think we agreed that, yeah, you probably had to come work for Impact formally and not just do it <laughs> as a hobby. <laughs> right. Well, I think like initially to Impact and Tim's defense, Initially, I don't think I was planning to make that my career. I think I was like selfishly like, okay, if I can get this company in the facilities that at least like I'm working in right now, and then I can, you know, scratch that off the list. Okay, we have a nurse practitioner in here, a qualified person seeing these patients. My team has access to, you know, we, you couldn't get hold of a physician to save your life in a lot of the facilities that I that I was working in. So I was like, well, if we have a nurse practitioner and and access to this higher level of care, then this means that maybe like these patients don't have to keep flying out of the hospital and these physicians won't keep recommending discharging and these LPNs and these RNs will feel like they have somebody to turn to and somebody consult to. So maybe that, maybe that's all we need in terms of we need in these facilities to provide good therapy. So that. So I think initially my mindset was therapy, 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 like what can we put in these facilities so I can continue to do therapy. But then as I started understanding more of what Tim and them were trying to do, I realized that it was a much bigger, a much bigger picture and a much bigger task. And then as we started introducing the facilities, really from the introduction to onboard the program was so much more involved than I anticipated and understood. So I realized that not to toot my own horn, but MPAC also needed somebody to identify the facility, start the meetings and really take MPAC and be the liaison between the facility and MPAC to bring this program on board. I think that that's probably we learned over time more of what my role needed to be. So I didn't have to fight anymore to show that I had purpose. <laughs> so I, I think it became more apparent. <laughs> I mean, it's become so apparent eight years later, right? You've led our business development efforts efforts since day one, very informally from day one, then more formally, recently transitioned to the role of president to oversee all of our relationships. That's your strength is really client relationships. People take to you and tell you their deepest, darkest secrets. And as you said in the past, they they work with us and for a lot of reasons, but one big reason is they like us. They, they see that we're genuine and that we're really trying to help. And that's led to a lot of great relationships from our clients over the years and, and growing. So it's been a, a wild ride for the last eight years, but what we've always done is do things for the right reason and like do the right thing, which is one of our core values. And that's really has led everything we've done. And I think people see that. And, and then obviously we branched out beyond medical care as we saw that mental health care also had a need and we wanted to get down to the root cause of that and sort of and built our mental health care program. And now we're piloting our, our behavioral care program, which I'm really, really excited about. And then this year also participating in value-based care, which is really what we set up to do from day one. It was create a model that could survive fee-for-service, but really thrive in value-based care because what we wanted to do was drive better outcomes. We wanted to be compensated for that, not just get compensated for volume of care. And that's finally happening. And the buzz around that from our client base that you know that you've talked to has been pretty significant and very excited about that pivot. Absolutely. I think the value-based care model will be the first time where it aligns 
empath with all of our partners um, and everybody's actively working towards getting the program set up as fast as possible to give the patients the best, you know, the best resources and the best everything to, you know, for the patient to get the best outcomes, the facilities to get the best outcomes, Medicare insurers to get the best outcomes and impact to have the best outcomes. So I think this is the first time that I've seen everybody lining up to achieve the same goal, to achieve the same goals. And that is through, I, I think that that is through this, you know, Medicare shared savings option that we've decided to go with. Yeah, I think we were we were hoping it would happen within a year or two of starting MPAC. It's taken a little bit longer, but it's it's finally here and it's exciting. So Gwen, thanks for your partnership along the way. You've been an incredible person for me in particular to work with. I feel like we're long lost siblings in a way. Good <laughs> <laughs> ways and bad ways. <laughs> but it's been an it's been an amazing ride. And I think this is just the beginning. So Absolutely. One of the best choices I've ever made to come and be part of the Unpack team. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time today and for the last eight years and the next eight or more. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. All right. Thanks. Thanks.